Daddy's Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Daniel. Hello and welcome to Daddy Squared, Season 3. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. And I'm Greg. Yes, Greg is joining us for another episode. Uh, how was your week, Greg? It was good. I kind of had a weird work schedule because I'm in between projects. So I kind of got you, called up last minute to Thousand Oaks for a couple days. Oh. Does that mean more hours or fewer hours? Fewer. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to tell you guys, going back to the diet after holiday period is not fun. <laughs> I'm actually well, kind of liking it, and I'm not kidding. There's something really? really... Yeah, because by the end of December, I feel like a pit of disgustingness, you know? It's kind of like uh, after you're sick and you go back to the gym, you know? True. Like the first week, it's like you hate yourself. Well, with the gym, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I take a week off like every eight weeks, and I feel like it takes more out of me when the first week I go back. Yeah. December was a disaster, both in terms of food and in terms of the gym. And I went back uh, full force this week and did legs the day before yesterday. And let's just say, everybody, I'm sitting on a cushion right now. Everything hurts. <laughs> My friend actually has a meal prep company, if you guys are interested. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's uh, it's not a bad idea. I need a liposuction company. We talked about it uh, once before that our problem is dinners, usually. Yes, agreed. That dinner yeah, is the hardest. I tend Anything to in the my evening. Kids dinner. Yeah, we just turn into like whatever dinosaur-shaped chicken is lying around, breaded dinosaur-shaped <laughs> chicken we eat, which is not which is not great. That is great. So uh, we're changing moods now. Uh, today's very serious episode. We're going to talk about fear and grief. It's not going to be easy, but hopefully inspiring. In this podcast, I'm always asking myself, how is what we're talking about in any way special or specific to being gay dads, because it's a gay dads podcast. Mm -hmm. And while I think everything that we talk about in the interview applies to everybody, I think at the same time, there are some special things about the way so many gay men grow up that has to do with putting on a good face, right? Especially if you spend a bunch of years in the closet, as so many men do, um, you learn a lot about making things look nice on the outside. And so I think that very often gay men, there's an opportunity for gay men to learn something new about being truthful to themselves and open to the outside world about pain and grief that they're experiencing instead of spray painting over it. And I thought that there was something very, very meaningful in this interview on that subject too. We lost our dog, Kube, earlier this Rest year. In peace. Yeah. And by the way, we're going to post on IGTV a segment where we talk about how we dealt with the Kube's passing in regards to our kids. If you have time to check it out or you know somebody whose dog uh, passed away and has kids, maybe it will help them. So the Gay Dads podcast on Instagram. I think a lot of people, um, when they talk about grief and they talk about loss, they draw a really bright line distinction between the loss of, you know, a family member or something like that and the loss of a pet as if a pet is just a minor nothing. And I have never felt that way. And even now that I have children, I, I still believe that these animals are part of our family in the closest way. I'm not saying that there aren't differences. There are, of course, huge differences. But at the same time, it's, it, it's a shame, I think, when people belittle the loss that's associated with a, a pet. I agree. I think actually like was more sad when my cat died than my grandfather died. But I think it's also because 
I saw my cat every day and that's right. It was yeah. more unexpected and right, you know. Yeah. It's an immediate family. Yeah. That's what I how I see it. We have Jesse Brun Huran, he's a minister. It's actually a reality star turned minister. Did you know that? Well, because you must repent after you've been a reality star. <laughs> he appeared on shows on Bravo, The Food Network, and OWN, Oprah Network. And now he is the founder of Active Love Ministries, a new nonprofit that offers education and licensing for emerging spiritual teachers and leaders. He's now doing really amazing spiritual work as a grief consultant. Um, and that was after he faced the worst of all. It was the death of a child. I have, since our kids were born, found myself in this incredibly unpleasant process of imagining horrible things that happen to my kids. And it, it enters my mind and I can't get it out. And it comes in in the strangest times. And these are the imagery that drives me nuts. I wonder if every parent has. I wonder too. And we would love to hear uh, from those of our, uh, of our listeners who have kids, whether that happens with them. I talked to my mom and she says that it happens with her and has always happened with her, but it could just run in the family. Does your mom or does your mom contact you and say, or speak to you and say, all I can think of is this horrible thing happening to you. Please don't uh, ride a motorcycle, play football. My mom does that 24-7. Right. <laughs> But that's not always a good thing. No, I'm, oh, no. I'm not suggesting I, it's a good thing. That's a whole other topic yeah, about totally. me and my brother. And mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we worry too much about little things every day. Right. And mm -hmm. that's that overprotection kind of holds us back in our future because, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this because that might happen. Right. I mean, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but mm -hmm. it still affects me every day. Well, uh, not to be that guy, but I will say this. When you have kids, I know <laughs> it, it's just sort of like the idea of why can't you just sit on the couch and watch television and never move, right? Because everything you do is a potential catastrophe. Anyway. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not going to talk about my mom. She's like... Uh, disaster uh, scenario is she a connoisseur it, at of any disaster? given time <laughs> any given time daddy squared the gay dads podcast season three is sponsored by love is family by orm fertility your gateway to fatherhood research begins at loveisfamily.com so we're gonna go to the interview we have no break in between because so. it's chock full we're chock full today <laughs> But it's really inspiring and really amazing, uh, his story and overall, like what he does. So listen to this. Let's go to Jesse. Good morning, Jesse. Yes, thank Minister you. Jesse. Mr. Jesse. We're here to talk about grief and fear. I want to start with fear. How do you advise people to deal with, with their fears? Well, that's really, I mean, I think it's a very, very broad, broad, broad yeah. yeah, broad, uh, because I think you have to deal with things as they arise and, um, and also deal with them when you're ready to deal with them. Um, I think we have, there's so much, we're inundated with self-help things and material like that, um, that people feel like you have to like power through, you know, your enlightenment or your healing or whatever it is. And sometimes um, that's not helpful. It's just not helpful. And so I really encourage people to always take the most peaceful path in the moment, whatever that is for you. And sometimes that looks like not dealing with it, putting on your sweats and watching Netflix for the weekend. And that's okay. And especially when we like 
I know we're not at grief yet, but when I work with people who are moving through grief, that's a big, big um, piece of like permission that I give people. It's like, you just do your best in the moment today. What's the most peaceful thing you can do today? Mm -hmm. And when we focus on that, I think that when we focus on peace, then uh, whatever is preventing us from feeling at peace will naturally arise. And if we're patient enough, then we can just sort of look at whatever is coming up in that moment. And then you get to choose, like, am I ready to, to tackle this, this horse yet? Or am I going to just let it ride by for now? And, um, the good news is, and I think you get enough life under your belt, you know, that if there's an issue that needs to be dealt with, it's going to eventually be dealt with, or you're just going to be miserable, you know? Mm -hmm. Pains me though it does. I'm going to go to Disney for a second. Have you seen Inside Out, the movie? Uh, you know what? That's the one that I have in it. Everyone goes, see yeah. inside out, see yeah. inside out. See you inside you out. should. You should. I think one of the most beautiful and powerful moments in that movie was that there's a character who represents sadness. And you never know what she's for. She's always just bringing everybody down and, you know. And there's a particularly sad experience and moment in the film where she serves her function so beautifully. And her function is be sad now. It's it's okay to be mm, sad now. You don't yes. need to fix this at the moment. You need to experience it enough that you're capable of constructing what's necessary underneath to be able to move on, you know? I'm glad you said that, actually, because I think being in the LGBTQ community, I think that we have a real insight to people that have really battled depression. And as a result of that, I think that... Uh, we hear, at least I have, I've heard of a lot of people that have committed suicide. And a few years ago, my ex-boyfriend committed suicide. And though we had not been together for a while, he remained a permanent fixture in my life. And he was actually my sister's best friend. And so the police contacted her. She had to, we had to go help her. And then we had to go to his house and prepare his house for his mother to come over. It was a nightmare. Wow. And... In the aftermath of that, I actually had a day where I was like, okay, you're not going to rush through this. You don't have to like buck up. You don't have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. In fact, you get to give yourself an entire day where you feel sad. And if you need another day after that, you get another day to feel sad. But I wasn't going to push it away. I was just going to let it be there. And it was one of the most healing things I've ever done in my life. I was just sad. And I realized that, you know, every time I think of him, I might feel a little sadness and that's okay. It's okay that, like you said beautifully, what what the sort of gist of inside out that people have told me often is, is just that, is it's okay to allow kind of the icky feelings to be there. It's all part of the human experience. So then the flip side question is, what happens when you get stuck there? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think you know. I think intuitively you know. I think if you're if you if you haven't figured it out, your loved ones will eventually let you know. Your friends will let you know. When you start alienating yourself, it's a really good indication. And and also, there's so much information now about depression. About I think that a lot of people have realized that they've been living with undiagnosed bipolar. I think there's so much material now that we kind of figure it out. Um, and again, you know, I think it's a really a case by case thing. But um, I think in my life, when I've been in those situations, I've, I've reached a point where I was like, enough. I can't live like this anymore. Enough. 
And that's when I think the a natural desire to find solution arises. And, um, and listen, I'm a minister. I do this professionally. Like there's a reason for it. Like I'm fascinated. I've always been fascinated of how my mind works, why, how, what I think creates sort of the world around me, you know, and my perceptions really dictate the world that I live in. And so, um, in that sort of natural pursuit and that interest, I've developed different tools and approaches and techniques to supporting myself through that. And, helping other people i mean really it be it, it you, you realize after a while that it's a conscious choice you know peacefulness happiness all that it, it's often it's a conscious choice and you have to just be more interested in feeling good than not alex replays a certain like a movie in his head which is like terrible things that can happen to our kids Sure. Or I don't just replay it. I add new uh, scenes all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm incredibly creative mm-hmm. about the possible horrible things that can happen to my children. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do yeah. that to yourself. Um, you know, listen, I, uh, I, part of the reason why I'm a guest today is to share sort of a part of my story, which is when my, our first son uh, died very unexpectedly. Um, we thought he had a stomach virus and it turns out it was an undiagnosed heart condition and he did have a stomach virus but his heart couldn't handle it and I thought literally thought I was in the emergency room to have him get some liquids and then he started taking these big gulps of air in my arms and I'm like why is he doing that and then two hours later he was dead and it was like it was at Cedars it was we were at the best hospital the best care possible there was 30 people operating on the skid it was eight months old and And it was devastating. And so now with our two sons um, that we're actually were adopting on Friday. And Friday is our court day to officially adopt. Oh, wow. It's been a, like a two-year journey. And um, the details of their situation were gnarly. It was intense, intense, intense abuse. So for the last two years, we've moved through the process of Going to courts go at the, uh, the biological family trying to get them back all of these things and then so if you want to talk about like fear like having these two babies that were brutalized and the fear of having to put them back into that environment that felt overwhelming at times but the gift if I can say that a gift of moving through the death of a child is the ability to be in the moment and There's this great phrase that a teacher I love says, and she says, "If you want fear, get a future, because all of your fear generally resides in a fantasy in the future. And if you're in the future, then you're not fully being present. And that's the greatest gift I learned through uh, being the father of Caden, who was our first son, was when I went into all of the things that could happen, I wasn't there with him. And I missed opportunities to just be in love with the kid. And so what I know now is there's a certain level of powerlessness that we have. And in the divine scheme of things, sometimes the unwanted happens. Try, try to make that not happen, you know? Mm. But there's only so much you can do. So you have to just really make a decision too when you go down that, that avenue of fear of saying, is this serving me? Is this serving my kids? Because at the end of the day, We don't want to raise scared kids. We don't want to raise kids who are afraid of the world. You know, we want them to feel like they can take an adventure, like grow into adults that feel secure. And so the way that kids feel the most secure, in my experience, and through the myriad of training we've had to do as foster parents, <laughs> is that discipline uh, and structure makes kids feel safe. 
you know, to know that you are consistent, that you're there, that there's structure, that their needs are met, helps them feel safe and allows them to be grounded young adults that will not be afraid to have, you know, I mean, I want my kids to travel. I want them to see the world. I want all these things. Does it terrify me? Of course, because I know how I was when I was that age, and that's terrifying. And, like, the miracle that I made it through without, like, severe injury <laughs> or something. So, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's just about, for us personally, as the parent, is it's curbing the fantasy. How long had it been after Caden passed away before you started thinking about adopting you know, what's interesting is I'm sure some people would have thought that we moved too quickly. I think it was that physical element, that just the physicalness of him that we miss so much, his smells, his little, you know, the skin, all the little things that you just love so much about having mm-hmm. a baby. Um, it was six months after he passed away, our social worker called us, and they said right up, straight up, they're like, listen, we know it's very soon. And you don't have to do this, but there's a special case, and we think you guys would be good for this. And what ended up happening was we brought in an infant, a two-month-old infant that was recovering with, from multiple fractures and um, just heinous wow. abuse. And so what, as we helped this little baby heal, this baby was helping us heal too. And um, he had a brother that was uh, almost two years old, um, and we decided three weeks after uh, Victor is his name, the baby came to us. We decided to bring his brother into the home too, so they could. We didn't want there to be like a, we wanted them to be able to have that bond. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so it's like that overnight family thing. And what's interesting with like foster to adopt is if you are interested in having an infant, you have to sign up for this thing called emergency placement which literally means you get a call at 2 p.m. and then you have a baby in your house at 6 p.m. <laughs> and it's, there's no like, it's like, game on, guys, go, 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 go. Like, go run, get diapers, get things. You know, like, you call your mom, you know, I call my mom and she's like, like running from the valley, like getting things prepared. And, um, and then you have to kick everybody out of your house, you know, so you can just be there and have that initial moment. But, uh, yeah, so it's really this... Um, I mean, I don't know if it was healthy of us, unhealthy of us. I mean, who gives a shit, really, in the grand scheme of things? Because we're two years later, we're here. The kids are thriving. They're beautiful. They're healthy. And we're adopting them. And, um, uh, yeah, it's really been like a, a journey. Of this. <laughs> Will you tell them about Caden? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's a big picture. So our sons are Hispanic, and so we um, are very mindful of doing um, uh, transcultural parenting. So we want to be able to, you know, we want them to be really proud of their heritage. Mm -hmm. And so we do uh, the Day of the Dead after Halloween. We start introducing the idea of death as just Mm -hmm. a part of life is we make a beautiful altar Caden's picture's right there. My husband's father's picture's there. Our friends that have passed are all there, and we talk about how wonderful they were. They, they don't get it yet, but mm-hmm. they're, it's something that can help them, you know, have a connection to their cultural heritage and then also um, have that conversation, too. So we feel like we're celebrating Caden's life, and we're not, you know. How do you explain death to kids? 
it sounds like you have stuff. to. I mean, really, honestly, like if you have Disney Plus, then they'll take they'll do it for you because like find one freaking Disney movie that doesn't have kill off a parent. You know what I mean? Like we've really been watching this. It's like, true. I mean, it is true. Like it's true. I, we were trying to find something where somebody doesn't die in Disney, and it's like you have to kind of scroll yeah. through the the index. But in a way, like it does do a service because it it brings up a question. You know, like right. Like what? What does that? What does that mean? What does that do? So, listen, kids are going to take their cues from you, right? So if you don't make it a tragic, awful, scary thing, then it's not going to be a tragic, awful, scary thing to them. But it is a tragic, awful, scary thing. I guess here's the the thing that seems really important to me to understand. We look. I mean, not not to compare it at all. But two months ago, we lost our our dog mm-hmm. suddenly in an accident. In an accident, and it was terrible. And we were with our kids <laughs> in Vegas, baby. We had just gotten to Las Vegas when we got this call, and it was devastating to to both of us. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really difficult to identify what we should and should not show our children in terms of our grief and uh, what we should and should not tell our children. And I think we did a good job, but I, I, I do think that it's really, especially at earlier ages, it's a really important question to figure out, you know, how natural and how open should you be about the about your grief because it can be it can be terrifying to a child to see you fall apart that way um and yet i think that the flip the flip side would be ridiculous too you're not going to pretend everything is fine or you probably shouldn't Mm -hmm. but finding that path seems really challenging we have to just do our best i think the fact that you're asking the question indicates that you're being very mindful and conscious about it. You're, you're, you're doing conscious parenting, which is important. I mean, a lot of people don't even ask the questions. You know, and I think that as gay men who are asking these questions and having these conversations, there's an, uh, an aspect, an element of retrospection and contemplation that, I mean, or else this podcast wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, in doing that, you have had to, like, really look at... Um, you know, your own journey, your own battles. And a lot of what we were told what a man is supposed to be and how a man's supposed to act. And a lot of that is toughening up, not showing emotion, not being sad and all that stuff. And now we know it's all bullshit and unhealthy and it doesn't really serve anybody. So to allow yourself to express emotion in front of your kids, I think it's a brilliant, beautiful thing. And you should, and you should let them know that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to have these experiences. It's okay to grieve, show them how to grieve, you know? And, um, I think that if you are in an unhealthy relationship with your kids and they are the source of like happiness for you and you expect them to show up and be, and comfort you and be something that they don't have the skills to be, then you got to check yourself, obviously, um, but I feel like I, my, my prayer is that you've checked yourself on that already. You know what I mean? When I was a kid growing up, it was harder for me to talk about my feelings. So I think if, you know, if parents talk about their feelings more in front of their kids, it's a positive influence. Like basically they're going to pick up whatever they learn and that's a healthy attitude. I think that's the key is we teach through our demonstration. That's how we teach. Mm-hmm. We show them what it is to be uh, sad. We show them what it is to be happy. We show them what healthy boundaries is. We show them what love is. We show them what family is. And then we do our best. And the good news is that we can always, always, always repair something. So if you feel like you've gotten, like you lost it, you went out of control, you, whatever, then you can always go back later and say, hey, 
remember when daddy did that? Well, I want to talk about that. We have this great book called The Color Monster. Have you heard of Colin Monster? Same no. sort of, same sort of just as Inside Out. So it's about a monster that um, he, his little friend helps him identify a color with an emotion. So like yellow is happy, blue, and he helps, she helps like organize his emotions so he's clear on who he is and how he feels. And this has actually been a great uh, template for me to work with my, uh, he's almost four, he'll be four in uh, April, about how he's feeling. And I'm like, if you were the color monster, what color would you be right now? And then he would he'd be like, um, I'm yellow. I'm like, oh, you're happy. He goes, mm-hmm. or I'm blue. I'm sad right now. I'm like, that's okay. He goes, I, I need to be alone. I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> totally cool. But like, we just start talking about our feelings. And so, because I mean, listen, if I can make one um, well-adjusted adult man, mm-hmm. <laughs> but put him out in the world, got, then my job is done. <laughs> I mean, uh, but yeah, so like, I think it's important not to hide it, to uh, in fact, embrace it and showcase it and celebrate it. And if you're feeling yourself go into the realm of unhealthiness, then check yourself, you know? So you're a minister, yeah. I hear. It's a good thing we cleaned up the house before you got here. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm Jewish. I don't know what any of that means. Um, uh, but I am really interested in the role that you uh, feel that religion can play or can't play in guiding people through uh, the experience of grief and loss. Yeah, I think it's a crucial element for many people. Some people have no inclination or interest in uh, developing a spiritual life. And that's really how I identify as more spiritual than religious, though I work with a lot of cantors and rabbis and ministers. I, I did a lot of interfaith work um, because I feel like there's so many paths that uh, it's, it's silly to think that everyone needs to be on yours. And uh, that if we can all come together collectively, then we can have a shared conversation, which I think is crucial. So um, so I actually, 10 years ago, founded a spiritual community for LGBTQ plus people and um, served as the spiritual director for that for a decade, over, well, for seven years. I was, for three years, it was my co-founder was the spiritual director, and then I took over. And I had no intention of being a minister at all. I was a chef. I was all these things. And I thought, what a lovely thing I'm creating for the community. And <laughs> one day I'll come back and I'll look at it and say, oh, what a, what a wonderful thing that I did. And it just pulled me in. <laughs> and like running a nonprofit is a lot of freaking work. And then soon I realized like there's just nothing that I, it's like my calling called me. You know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. a bait and switch. And uh, so I just, over the last decade really developed my skills as a minister. I got my ministerial license. I did all those things. And um, so I uh, technically would lean more into like being like a modern mystic or a meta mm-hmm. uh, metaphysical minister. Um, and this new year, I'm actually launching a new, completely new ministry, which is focused towards training people who feel called towards spiritual leadership. And it's called Active Love Ministries. I'm really excited to uh, to share that with people who feel inspired to be community leaders, mindful activists. So it's not all about Christianity. No, it's not Christianity at all. Actually, it's more of an exploration of oneness. Mm-hmm. So, like a really like a real easy way to say it is that we're all one. That oneness is God, and God is love. So, in essence, our true nature is love. Mm-hmm. And so, all of the things that we beat ourselves up for is just a misperception of ourself. And so it's an exploration or a journey to getting to that place of, of remembering who and what we actually are, which is 
perfect whole and complete. That's mm-hmm. my that's my pitch. So I'm teaching like a three week course right now on healing grief for um, a different ministry. I'm like a guest teacher, and a lot of it is about realizing that we are so much more than sort of our, our physical identification, right? And so then what are we? And in that pursuit, that ex- exploration, we find comfort in that, okay, like, I remember when, when Caden died, the day Caden died, we left the hospital, and it's just this, like, image of, like, having uh, an empty car seat and uh, and being on the steps of Cedars and just being like, what the fuck do we do? Who are we now? Today we started as being dads and now like what what the what happened what happened you know and so my first instinct was i can't go home i don't want to go home i don't want to see the nursery i don't want to see their his toys i don't want to see any of it but my husband did the opposite he goes we should go home and we should call all of our friends and that's what we did and so we had like 30 people just came to our two-bedroom apartment in Mm. beverly hills and uh we just cried and we just sat in silence we laughed there was food and, you know, a lot of my friends or colleagues are ministers. And um, so there's a point in the night where we all just circled around and held hands and so they just took turns praying. And one of my friends said, and it was really, really resonated with me, was um, she goes, you know, Caden's okay. We're the ones that aren't okay. Caden's okay. And that just, like, s- struck my heart. And I was like, she's right. He's fine. Like, he's just fine. And I could feel him. And it was... You know, and I had a couple experiences that were like, okay, universe, thank you for like, for the the little heads up, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll share one story, actually. Like two days after Caden passed away, my family had flown in at that point. And uh, we were, you know, different days we would gather in different places and uh, eat and cry and all those things. And and I picked up my mom and uh, drove her. I was driving her back to my place and we passed a hospital where our good friend Barbara had passed away two years ago. Mm-hmm. And Barbara was this cool older lady. She was in her 70s. She's just like the lady in the 70s that you'd want to be your friend. And she'd take spin classes and all this stuff. And she helped, when my mom first moved to LA, she was like got her acclimated and she's really cool. And she passed away pretty suddenly two years ago. But my mother and I both were able to see her before she passed. And as we pass the hospital, my mom goes, man, I've just been thinking of Barbara. She's just been on my heart. Like, I just, she's like, I just feel her near me. I was like, well, mom, that makes sense. You know, when someone close to you passes, you think of other people that you loved that have also passed. Two hours later, I'm sitting in my um, living room and my phone rings and I pick up to see who's calling and it's Barbara's phone number. Barbara, who we were just talking to, Barbara, who's been dead for two years, is calling my phone, and I'm looking at it, and I remember thinking, I'm like, well, are you ready to take this call? Yes, are you ready? seriously. Are you ready to know what's on, the, on that side? And so I picked it up, and it was just some static, and then it hung, and then the call ended. And uh, I was in there, I'm like, what the fuck? And then it just clicked, and I was like, oh, Barbara has Caden. I was like, Barbara totally has Caden. Oh. And I went into the kitchen. I was like, Mom, look who just called me. And she looked at the phone and she started crying. She goes, Barbara has Caden. I was like, <laughs> Barbara has Caden. It's mm. all good. A, year, uh, a week later, my friend John, who had died a year before and who I had tried to set Barbara up on a date with, he was this really rascally guy in his 80s. He was in my ministerial licensing program. Dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
I got a friend. Uh, he, he's been out a year, and I got a f- Facebook friend request from him. <laughs> and I was like, wow, the elders in my tribe are really letting me yeah. know, like, it's all good. We got this. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And that just, like, and I knew, like, I'm getting these signs because I'm open to them, you know? Right. And I was like... Like other people might be like, oh, it's just a coincidence. Oh, someone hacked their whatever. Oh, someone got their phone and dialed you. But like, <laughs> maybe. But and if I want to live in a fantasy land, fine, because it brings me peace. Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, but it also as like a minister who teaches um, counselors and stuff on how to counsel people through grief. For me, like what Caden did, um, my little guru is he walked me across the bridge from faith to knowing. Like I know that there's more than what we perceive, and in knowing that. I have a different relationship with death because it doesn't feel like it's just done. You know? Yeah. And um, it can actually be something that, um, you know, it's a natural experience of this lifetime. You know, everything, everything in the physical, it dies, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so we can, I think in a, a fear of that can really be debilitating, you know? And the more we allow ourselves to embrace just the fact that, okay, I'm going to die. You know, yeah. that's okay. One day this body is going to go kaputs and that's just what's going to happen. It helps us develop more of a um, peaceful relationship with it. And then we can give that to our kids, you know. My father died when I was 13 and he had been sick for a year and a half. And um, some rabbi came over to see us right after my father died. Big mistake. Because I asked him some questions and his answers were terrible. Just terrible answers. You know, why did this thing happen? You don't have an answer for that, you idiot. Why are you trying to answer it in a direct way? Right. Mm. My point is this. There is that kids have questions about death and loss. And I don't quite know how to answer them. Mm-hmm. What do you do to uh, answer a question that's probably unanswerable? Great question. Uh, what do you do is my question. Oh, you. you're going to ask me now. <laughs> that's not the way this thing works. No, look, I mean, I'll tell you what. We just, we just as, I, as I said before, we just lost our dog. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think we, it, our kids are four, but it was still important for us to try to um, approach it. We didn't want to dodge the, the question. Um, and, you know, we talked about how he's no longer here, um, but, you know, he's in our hearts, which is a little standard, but no, nevertheless seemed like an important thing to say. Um, I don't think that they asked or they're old enough to ask the old, the good old question, why, why would a thing like this happen? That's what we were asking ourselves, you know. No, but he, but they ask, why did he run away? Well, that's true. That's true. Why did he go? Why did yeah. he go? Why is he? Yeah. Yeah, I guess they did ask that question. Did we have an answer for them? I don't remember. It's a great opportunity to get them cleaning their room more. <laughs> well, yeah. Did you clean your room? No, we will not be doing that. <laughs> Try again. Minister. No, I think that um, we didn't beat around the bush. Yeah. Like we did, we immediately told them what happened. Especially like they were in the car with us uh, when we got a call, and um, Alex stepped out of the car, and I just talked to them mm-hmm. and I told them what happened. Mm-hmm. They asked a lot of questions. I tried to answer as much as I could, and then we went to a place immediately to get them, you know, we went to some trampoline place so they can play so we can get a minute just to Good. realize what happened. Mm-hmm. 
um, and what are we going to do now? Like, are we going back? Are we staying in Vegas? Like, we had to talk about about it ourselves. Yeah, there are practicalities that you still need to deal with at a moment. Um, they keep asking and asking the same questions because they their mind is not understanding what happened sure. or they forget. Mm -hmm. So every time we try to get, we try again and we um, and every time like there are it comes from a different way. For example, the other day Ben who is obsessed with Google Maps tried to type oh. heaven yeah. to see where he is right yeah. now. Yeah. So and and he asks me why is it not showing up? Like and I explain, listen, it's not on earth. And you know, That's stuff so like that. Sweet. That is such a sweet, beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Google, so, Google so hasn't we, gotten there yet. So it's still, we're three months away from it, and they're still talking about it almost every day. They mm -hmm. still have questions about it. Yeah. Um, and they still consider him as a part of the family. Sure. I think as a minister, people expect you to have like an answer. And oftentimes I don't. <laughs> so it's kind and, of the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, what what good news is I'm just like, oh, honey, I don't know. <laughs> uh, like that's a great question. And I mean, I'm a contemplative person, but um, you know, sometimes you just don't know. And a, a, a lot of times I just go back to what I said before. I'm like, well, I you know I really don't know. But my question for you is, how are you? finding peace today? What are you doing to feel peaceful today? And as a parent, I think that it's okay to just say, you know, honey, I don't know. What do you think? You know, and if nothing else, we start working the muscle of allowing them to come up with something for themselves because we don't necessarily need them to be replicas of us. They will be to some extent, then they will push against that and rebel against that. And mm -hmm. as they figure out their own personality and their own identity and all that stuff. But I think that a lot of times when we don't know, it's okay to be like, honey, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. And that which will bring more questions and more questions. Yeah. And listen, you do your best to navigate them and keep your sanity. Yeah. The, the truth is it happened because it happened. I mean, if we're as an adult, if we were talking to like as adults, it happened because it happened. Uh, we suffer when we argue with reality, right? It happened. To say that that was the one thing that like really hurt me when Caden died was people would keep saying this shouldn't have happened. This shouldn't have happened. I'm like, but it did happen. And you saying that it shouldn't happen isn't helping me in any way because it did happen. Mm. And now that I accept that it happened, what can I do about it? And um, that really is, I mean, taking God out of the picture, taking like a greater like a greater purpose or a meaning or a divine plan, whatever, out of it, it happened because things happen like this. And um, and if anything, like, I know that doesn't always bring comfort, and we're looking for more comfort because sometimes then it just feels like we're in a chaotic world in which we have no control and no power, and that can feel very scary. But um, sometimes... Um, we live in a chaotic world in which we have no power and that can feel very scary. And sometimes it's okay not to know and sometimes it's okay to be scared. And I think that's what we do our best is we address the feelings that are arising in the kids and just let them know that it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to have questions. It's okay not to have the answers. And that the good news is that, um, what's the dog's name? Kube. Kube. Mm -hmm. The Kube was so loved and Kube loved us so much, and that's a really wonderful thing. It's so magic to have that kind of love. And just go back and be like, you know, you can always send Kube love. 
and just really let them know that like like you can always love Kubay and every time you think of Kubay, just by how much you loved him and how much he loved you. And if if nothing else, it's at least a practice that can be soothing to them, you know, mm-hmm. and it gets them more into a, a loving heart space about it. Um, because like, listen, like since there's been men, we've been trying to figure out death, right? Yeah. How to conquer it or what happens after we go. I think it's the ultimate fear. This is why we also connected between the fear and the loss. Everything goes back to the fear yeah. of death, really, mm-hmm. be the fear of, of, of ending, of, of it being done. Um, I mean, that's why we freak out when we get older. That's why yeah. we, like, we're obsessed with youth, you know, mm-hmm. because it's a symbol of farness from death, which we know is not actually true. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, bullshit <laughs> anyway but um yeah but so it, it's what it's really actually quite freeing because i can say now in my life i'm not afraid of death i'm just not i'm not afraid of death um i've been through enough to make me just be like no i have zero fear around death now when does fear arise around it my only time the fear arises around it is when i think of not having more time with my kids you know like that but there's still stuff around there like that but You know, I mean, like, try to try to stop a moving train. Like, like it's just, I, I try to, to put my, my resources, my time, and my energy into, like, again, like I said, what can I do today to be present with my kids? Because yeah. if I go into all the shit that can happen, like, oh, my God. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, right, right now I have, a, I, 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 I have a day job, which I don't think anyone from there will listen to, so I will speak freely about it. <laughs> Um, uh, and it's, it's a great paying job. A lot of people, this is the career track for a lot of people. I'm a chef by trade as well. And so I'm doing this really cool like chef work. And I thought after my experience with, um, inspire, which was the LGBTQ thing, I was like, I'm done. I just need to like do something else and I need to make some good money. And so I got this great paying job doing the, my chef work and it was fine for like a month or two. And then I realized I'm like, I'm not a chef anymore. Like, I don't like doing this. <laughs> I really don't like doing this. And, um, like I want to be a minister again. Like that's my calling. That's what I love doing. And, da, 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 da. and then you get to a place where you're like, I, if I had to do this for one more day, I'm going to kill myself, but you do it anyway, because, and I do it anyway, because right now me leaving the job brings up way more fear than me staying in the job because I know that I'm growing something new. I know that it's like taking wing. I know that it's taking shape. I know that it will probably be, not a long term that I'm at this place because this is happening very quickly and it's lovely. But also I, when I think of like, I'm just going to go and give my two weeks tomorrow. Like that brings up a lot of fear of like, yeah, but then it's going to be tight financially. And that's a, such a pain. And you got two kids and, da, 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 and your husband's going to resent you, blah, 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 blah. And, um, so it's, uh, so for me right now, the most peaceful thing, the most peaceful path is just to stay at the job mm-hmm. and pay the bills Do the, you know, do the other work when I can. I'm have partners in it as well. Let them do, like, I don't have to do everything. And it's, it's taking care of itself. And so it's just an example of you just do the best you can and make the most peaceful decision in the moment. And sometimes it's, you know, I, and here's the, here's the thing. Like, if in the moment you got to lie to your kids a little bit because it's going to make them feel better. It's going to make you, like, feel better. And you don't... It, 
fine. You know what? Well, our entire their kids. parenting process is founded on lies, but can you be a little bit more specific? Um, no, but really, I mean, in this the internet context. is closed today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We have. Well, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah they're yeah. closed. Oh, that's they're really closing smart. On Sunday. That's really smart. It's illegal to eat cookies on Tuesday afternoons. There's all kinds of stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, no. But I, I, I kind of lost you there for a minute. What, what are we talking about then? What, what kind of misinformation are you feeding to? Well, the no, like if it if it if it makes you feel better, if it's easiest in that moment to be like, you know, Kube's in heaven, I see, and he's with doggies and he's playing, <laughs> and you don't believe any of it, right. but you're like, this is way easier for me just to say this than it is to be like, well, let's talk about the complexities of of life, you know, <laughs> sure. like like then just do it, like just do your best, <laughs> take the most peaceful path, and you can always switch gears later. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're always just doing our best. Listen, I fail every day as a parent. My husband called me the other day. Um, I was running late from work, and he was having to take care of the kids and put them to bed all by himself. And he's like, Tony, who's our top, or he's going to be four, he's like, he's just doing this and this and this and this. And, and, then he was, and then he was like yelling, and then he was doing this and then this. And I, need, and I could feel how overwhelmed he is. I'm like, honey, he's an asshole. I was like, he's three years old. Three-year-olds are assholes. Mm. I'm like, and like, if you're making it through the day without killing a child, congratulations, you're a successful parent, yeah. all right? I'm like, just get him to bed. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, he's like, oh, thanks for saying that. I'm like, man, he's a dick. Living with these kids, kids these ages are like living with suicidal alcoholics. It's yeah. not fun. Yeah, there are, um, yeah. There, there are times when it's totally great true. and it's amazing, and there's other times where you're just like, am I... Am I, is my kid a dick? Like, is that am I am I allowed to say that? And it's like, yeah, I'll give you full permission because he is on our on our podcast. It is actually embraced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much. Active Love Ministry. Yes, yeah, so it's activeloveministries.org. org. Okay. You can find all the information. We're launching with new cool stuff in the new year. I look really forward to it and see what this new adventure holds. Wonderful. Thank you so thank much. You. I can't tell you how much I love having these conversations. So thanks yeah. for letting me do it. Oh, thank you. Okay, we're coming back from the interview with Jesse Brun Huran. I'm Jan. And I'm Greg. I'm, I'm, I'm Alex. Yes. Well, I don't know. I think that they know. <laughs> and you're whatever. listening to Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads podcast. I love how he referred to the three-year-olds as... Uh, as dicks. He referred no, to them as dicks. Living with a suicidal alcoholic. I love it. It's not funny. It's really exactly like that. It's, yeah, it's trying. Although, by the way, they're, my, our children are four now, and what's so amazing is I've almost already forgotten three, which is great. If you want to know more information about what Jesse is doing today, just please go to activeloveministries.org. I know that people have different relationship with death, and I don't know if everyone of our listeners believes in what uh, Jesse believes, um, that there is more than what we perceive. I don't know. I know that Alex doesn't believe in What in does life. Alex not believe in? You don't believe in this stuff. It depends on what you mean by this stuff. Like I, communicating I, with the dead. Well, probably don't believe in that. Look, uh, I was raised by atheist cleanly atheist parents who believed that uh, there was no scientific evidence that when you drop dead, you're anything but just 
dead, right? Uh, I am actually more open-minded than they are, by which I mean I don't really see any, we, we may not have any evidence, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing that continues. Some people will call what he said like yeah. the story and yeah. evidence well like, there's it's not there's, great scientific there's evidence. some evidence where people see things after they die and like in the hospital room it's yeah. like it's yeah. it's like a it's verifiable it all depends on what you consider by the scientific method but that's it's not true. my point <laughs> my point is that some forms of knowledge are simply not yet attainable we can't know but just because we don't know right. doesn't mean that it can't exist and so what I, I'm open minded to the idea there's no reason to assume that death is simply the end it's black there's nothing that happens after there's no reason to assume that right, but true. on the other hand i'm also not going to assume that we're all flitting around in you know white sheets after we die and and visiting our our relatives and knocking over furniture so i mean you know i'm i'm open-minded i'm open-minded in the sense that i'm investigating i'm reading a lot of books about uh death like people done researches and um people that are communicating with the dead And I read this book called Animals and the Afterlife. Mm -hmm. And after Kube's death, I also went to a couple of animal communicators. I think it helps with the grief to talk to somebody who is supposedly talk to the dead. I had a, a, a phone call with an animal <coughs> communicator. It's a, it's a half an hour call. And um, during that half an hour, she did, it was like the strangest thing. She did these noises like, <laughs> what do you mean? Oh my God. That's freaky. <laughs> and you know, like she's you sure really she wasn't just using Verizon. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was really weird, but it was, it was thrilling to me. Like I, it sounded so good. And she's typing. You hear her like on her computer, like typing because it's kind of translated to her through her computer. And then she reads to me what, what she writes. That's so weird shit, man. So weird. <laughs> anyway, he, says, he said that um, he, had not, he didn't have enough time with us, and he's coming back, and it's going to be through a friend of ours who has puppies. We know these friends, but the puppies haven't been born yet. He's going to be one of his puppies. So now if you guys know what? anybody, if yeah. you have... So he's going to be one of his puppies, and he's going to recognize me. That's what he says. So if you have a, pre if, to if you have a pregnant mind, dog, please let us, us know. <laughs> <laughs> This is very We important. We want Kube back. <laughs> that is weird. You know, one thing that Jesse did not specifically talk about that I think is so important is the, the support that you have um, or that you hope to have with your partner at a time of grief. You know, I think that uh, our relationship in the month after Kube died was so critically important to me and God yeah. knows I hope to you as well. Um, grief alone is pretty yeah. awful. Yeah. yeah, and I think that sometimes it, uh, grief causes the couple to separate from each other and, and be by themselves. And I think it's uh, when you are a couple and you're uh, suffering grief together, it's only you that can help each other to console. True. Daddy, that's QR.com. All right. So um, we have to step back to non-sad uh, subject. Let's leave grief, shall we? And <laughs> Yeah. I want to end the episode with uh, something more light. Uh, okay. What do you guys think about secondhand stuff, buying and selling on Craigslist, eBay, Facebook, Marketplace, etc.? I just don't trust anything that has, like, that could 
attract better bugs or anything weird like that. What do you, what do you mean? Like <laughs> mattresses, couches, oh, like right. shit like that. No, I but do, like, no. do you I think, sell your Are stuff? you talking about clothing or just in general stuff? In general. Oh. Yeah, well, so just so you guys will all know, in our prenuptial agreement, we don't really have one, but in our prenuptial agreement, there's there's a, a phrase that uh, we can be divorced immediately if I throw anything away. So in our house, everything must be sold. My husband will sell, you know, used aluminum foil, and eventually he'll <laughs> succeed. So let me tell you just this. I know it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. I'm addicted to selling on these places. Okay. The reason why- So help me sell some stuff then? I'm gonna wake up one morning and my spleen is going to be missing. (laughs) (laughs) There are two reasons for it, okay? The first reason is that, yes, I wanted to make a little bit extra money, okay? It's a little bit of work posting all the things up and and posting pictures, and the pictures are really important. And if if you want to know more details, please don't hesitate to contact (laughs) me. I've mastered it. We can visit our store. You can visit our (laughs) store and buy my spleen. (laughs) But the thing is that you know we have like especially like when the kids between one to three year old, we had so much baby shit. That's true. That it's like things that were used for like two weeks, and I had no heart to throw it away. Or right. I don't know, like even giving it away to a, a charity, you never know like what they're going to do with it. Right. Sometimes, Sometimes they, they just throw those things away, themselves. away, right? Yeah. So all I wanted to do is to make sure that these things are finding new, like new homes. So usually I sell stuff for like very, very cheap, like maybe one or two dollars just for the effort to know that the person has, is serious enough to buy it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let me tell you that. I know it's time consuming, but I'm willing to reveal that in 2019, I made 1,000. Bring, bring us the number. What's the number? $1,096 from selling shit, shit. on Craigslist. God bless you. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, uh, we are very happy to have the money. There's there's no problem with that. Uh, look, I, yeah, it, but it's not only about the money. You know, it's I see it in a way like making sure that our earth doesn't have so much garbage. Shit. True. Yeah, it's true. Do you ever sell anything? I actually haven't done it in a while. I think I did it when I was like 22. Right. I sold all my old college books and I was like, this oh. is just going to clutter my room. Right. I'm just going right. to waste off. Like I could get money now or I could wait until it's worth nothing and then right. waste it. And plus those books actually are worth something in resale, right? The college books? Yeah, until the new edition comes out. Oh, right. Oh, got you. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, what about tip? going to like consignment stores? Well, so you know what we've talked. Do you do that too? Yeah. Well, we talked last season or something about yeah. Swap, yeah. Swap dot com, which is not a sponsor of Daddy Squared, but could be. Um, swap dot com is is uh, a, a place where we've bought a lot of clothing for the kids, and what's amazing about it is, you know, you don't have to worry about the bed bugs thing, etc. They're all cleaned, and uh, they look. Pretty much everything yeah. looks as good as new. And one of it's, my favorite things is that when it comes in the box and you open it, there's nothing else to do. You don't have to fucking take tags off and, you know, because it's already been, it's already yeah, ready it's to work, for you, you know? I, yeah. lo- I love that about yeah, it. Yeah, and the thing is that, uh, you know, for when when you have kids, it's just, um, they come back home every day with paint all over their clothes yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And you just don't want to waste so much money on clothes so it's like three dollars a piece does swap do adults i don't even yes. know oh it does yes uh, i've sold some of our stuff there i suddenly had this image <laughs> of like you know a starlet well you have carpet now they saying, i'm wearing swap.com <laughs> now they changed it because um too many people have been sending them stuff so yeah. you have to be a retailer or something like you have to pass some sort of a test oh i see if you sell this like they give you one chance if you sell this uh number of items then you can continue to sell there <laughs> 
Greg, do you have any saving tips for us for today? Um, I think a saving tip that I have is uh, to just have a regular schedule where you keep track of your money. So I know I mentioned mm -hmm. mint on the last episode, but um, I think it's important to realize that it's it's like going to the gym if you are do it really intensely for mm -hmm. two days like okay great but <laughs> <laughs> but you got to do it like consistently so so what is a schedule what what do you mean by a schedule for saving money how would you do that uh, just a schedule for like tracking your money basically i see so it could be daily or weekly but whatever works for you so make sure i'm making this up make sure that every sunday morning you're sitting down and and reviewing where your money has gone the week before yeah like that yeah. kind of stuff thing. like that yeah mm -hmm. Everybody, we love to hear from you. We love to get uh, feedback on our episodes, ideas for new episodes, complaints. We love complaints um, and, <laughs> and suggestions. Well, you should uh, read the comments on, on some of our posts on Facebook. That's really bad. Really? Really, yeah. really bad. Yeah. I don't know how these people like If your name like has that. Hitler in it, please don't. No, not don't, Hitler, please. but uh, pretty much, uh, I don't know. In any case. So many homophobic um, oh, I, you know what I hate? You know what I hate? Stupid homophobia. Like, wow. if you have something funny homophobic to say, I may be open to it. <laughs> but just like the stupid homophobia, you know, you're bad, you're going to hell. That's boring. I wish it was that. Bring something good. <laughs> honey, yes. no, no, listen. The, when, when they talk about us, I don't care. But when they talk about the kids, uh, yeah, that's yeah. really bad. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm anyway. sure that's the way Donald Trump feels about. Now let's not say that. No. Okay, um, but if if you have something constructive that you'd like to say, or ideas, or 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 uh, constructive criticism, uh, please contact us at hello at daddysqr.com. or just look for the Gay Dads Podcast on Instagram, and um, you can also text us. Right or leave oh, us a message. Oh, you can text us or leave us a voicemail if yeah. you are, you know, of that age. Um, at two one three seven nine three eight nine three nine. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you're thinking about having kids, start your search at loveisfamily.com by ORM Fertility. For over 30 years, ORM Fertility has been at the forefront of fertility services, providing personalized care and helping all family types grow. ORM are honored to be a trusted resource for the gay community on their journey to parenthood and are now sharing all they know with you at loveisfamily.com. ORM's expert team, gives gay parents-to-be all the information they need and guides them through their unique fertility journey, providing expertise, education, and support every step of the way. Over a thousand gay couples and singles from all over the world have started or grown their family with ORM's support and fertility and financial expertise. Find out more at loveisfamily.com. ORM Fertility's online resource for gay dads and LGBTQ plus family building. Daddy, that's QR.com. That is squared.